Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. invite you to uh, pray for Wendy and the Green family, uh, part of this congregation for a number of years, and uh, just holding them up today. I've been praying and praying for them these last few weeks, and uh, just asking for God to hold them and lead them, and precious family and kids, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot about life I don't understand. We're going to talk about the love of God today. So help me out with this. Don't do a little fill in the blank and see see how you do. For God so loved the world. Yeah. So, uh, not shocking that that's the fill in the blank. I mean, it's the preamble to the most famous verse in the Bible, so what are we going to say? But if we stop for a minute and we thought that's not just the preamble to one of the most famous verses in the Bible, it's actually a great phrase to think about. And you could personalize it. For God so loved me, he did what? What did he do? Put up with my nonsense. Put up with my nonsense, yeah. Because I think... If you just stop for a minute and slow that phrase down, and for God so loved the world that he, it's a little bit distressing that at some point we talk about he gave his only son. Yes, he did. He gave, past tense, he did that, that was done, he did it for me, I had nothing to do with it, I wasn't really involved in it. And somehow that creates a very passive relationship in which I'm just sort of understanding that happened, but I'm not sure that I'm feeling that it happened, and I'm not sure how it exactly matters. I mean, theologically we can explain it, but how on a daily basis? So, so maybe there are some other things to put in the blank. For God so loved the world that he gave us his living word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Well, now immediately I got issues. Because God did the sun thing, and that's all taken care of, but I've got to interact with the word. That requires something of me. But his word is an expression of his love. It's guidance for me. It's insight for me. And sometimes when I complain and I say, well, I don't know what God's doing. Well, maybe I got to crack open the book. Maybe I got to put myself in space with the living word of God to speak that life into me. Instead of intellectually understanding a narrative. For God so loved the world that he offered us wisdom. We could use a little of that, couldn't we? I mean, the scripture says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask because God freely gives wisdom. And I believe that to be true. Here's what I find. When I'm asking God for wisdom, I very often do not like the wisdom that he's offering me. (laughs) And guess why? Because it's costly. Just like... Applying myself to the word is costly. I'd rather say God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's done. I'm done. I don't, doesn't, I'm just, God bless me and let me get on with my life. You did some stuff. Great. I love it. But to stop and to think about the wisdom of God, now I've got to interact with that. 
And so often what I find is that God's wisdom doesn't agree with mine. Go figure. And that I got to surrender it and I got to let go. And I can't be the smartest person in the relationship. Got to listen more and talk less. For God so loved the world that he granted me the gift of his Holy Spirit. An active, living relationship that abides and indwells my very being, that gets inside my thoughts and inside my feelings, so that I am not approaching God from the outside. I'm not coming to visit God in his sanctuary. I am God's sanctuary. He dwells in me. John, as he relates the story of the Holy Spirit and how it's going to go, he, he capitalizes early on the intimacy of Christ and the Father. I mean, the language is incredibly powerful so that we, we can't misunderstand the relationship that's shared between Jesus and the Father. It kind of unfolds in a variety of ways. John 1.18, we're already hearing, No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So we're already getting hints at the very beginning. We've already heard in the opening prologue, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. We've already understood this unity and intimacy. John 8, 19, and then they ask him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Because we're alike. John 10, 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10, 38. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So John builds us through these opening chapters of his gospel, this intimacy between Jesus and the Father, because we're building to something, not only in the narrative of Jesus' teaching, but also in the writing of John's gospel, so that we reach this pinnacle moment in John 17, the high priestly prayer. Jesus has gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, and John's the only gospel that was in earshot. John evidently was close enough to hear the prayer that Jesus prays in the garden so that he records this for it in John 17, he prays about a lot of things, and then in verse 20, he prays this way. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So John reaches this climactic moment following the narrative and teaching of Jesus in which Jesus says, hey, me and the Father are one, me and the Father are one. He's in me and I'm in him. We're the same. If you know me, you know him. And nobody's seen the Father, but you've seen me, so now you know the Father. He's talked about this all the way through. And then he prays this astonishing prayer. Will you make them one even as we are one? I in them and you in me, will you bring them to complete unity? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? 
And wouldn't that be strange? So that somewhere this vision is that the body of Christ is brought to complete unity. Not because we all agree. Amen? Amen. But because we are pursuing the same thing. We are pursuing God. His will on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't get distracted by temporary things. Now, granted, that's tough work, isn't it? I mean, that's tough work in your own home, with your own family. It's tough when you start to extend that out a little bit. It's tough with your neighbors. It's tough in the church. We don't all agree on stuff. We see things differently. I'm going to tell you something, okay? (laughs) I don't know all the ins and outs of COVID and pandemic and politics. I'll tell you this. We've been damaged by what's happened in the last 18 months. We can point our fingers at a lot of things, but a lot of what was damaged happened right in here, inside the church of Jesus Christ. I want to call them to complete unity. I want to call them to complete unity. I and them, and you and me, and me and them, and all of us together. And how does this happen? It happens because we love each other. It happens because we love each other. The intimacy of the Father and the reality of love are, are so deeply connected that you can't, you know, in fact, the Scripture just says God is love. So when you get all intimate with God, then this just, there's just a whole lot of love happening. As John's narrative sort of works its way through, we, we get to chapter 12 and we're starting to anticipate the teachings and the things that are happening in the upper room. We're kind of getting to the passion of Christ. And then in John 13, we have this astonishing thing that's happening. We're told in Luke 22 that in this room at this time, the disciples are arguing among themselves about who will be greatest. We do that, don't we? No, I mean, we don't couch those words. We don't say, hey, I think I'm the greatest. This is what we say. I think I'm right and you're wrong. I think my opinion is worth more than yours. I think my perspective is worth more than yours. I think I got enlightened and you didn't. I think I'm smart and you're not. I think the study I read or the thing that I saw. And so the disciples are having that conversation. My perspective, I'm more deserving than you are. I deserve to be greatest in the kingdom. And because of this, they refuse to wash one another's feet. They've washed each other's feet before. It's just a task. It doesn't mean anything. If you weren't wealthy and you didn't have a servant to wash your feet, you washed each other's feet. You were dirty. It was practical. You just did it. There wasn't a lot of emotion attached to it. It didn't have all the humility issues we have right now (laughs) attached to it. Jesus, knowing he had come from the Father... And that he was returning to the Father, rose from the table and took off his outer garment and wrapped a towel around his waist and showed to them the full extent of his love. He began to wash their feet. These men who were being petty and selfish and small and did not have in mind the things of the kingdom of God but had in mind the things of this earth who would betray him and deny him and desert him. And he lovingly washed 
their feet. And when he was done, he stood up and he wrapped his robe around him and he said, You call me Lord and teacher, and rightly so, for that is who I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. A new command I give you, that you love one another the way I have loved you. By this will all people know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. Now, this conversation that's happening, (laughs) if I were one of the disciples, I would be saying, I'm going to need to go back to fishing. And we've all said that, haven't we? I mean, there's folks right here in this room that said, you know what, I'm going to quit doing what I'm doing. I'm going to do something else. Because it's too hard and it's too much work and it's too divisive and I don't like it. And I'm tired. And I don't know how you fantasize that, but... You know, I fantasize that just something super simple, like, you know, I'm going to get a food truck and make tacos. There's your taco. (laughs) Well, do you got gluten-free? Nope. Nope. We got one thing on the menu. We're like in and out. There you go. You got it. Get out. Complaint department, we don't have one. Buy your taco or don't buy your taco. Hey, man, anybody feel that way? If I'm one of the disciples, I'm sitting there going, you know, fishing's looking good. Just get out there in the boat early in the morning, throw your net over, get some fish. Don't have to overthink it. You know, you know exactly how you did today. You don't have to analyze it. You're not trying to read the tea leaves. Yeah, we had 42 fish. That's better than yesterday. We had 32 yesterday. We're on an upward trend. I'm going to make a graph. Stockholders will enjoy it. So Jesus doesn't end the conversation there. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Don't lose your perspective. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself so that wherever I am there you're going to be also and Thomas said we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way (laughs) I, I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me stop worrying about so just focus focus I in you and you in me and you with each other in complete unity and all of us one with the father and the power of the Holy and then he says I will not leave you alone I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the comforter to you. And the comforter will teach you all things. And I say, amen. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need the comforter. I'm going to need the intimacy of the Holy Spirit of God to complete this unity. Because I am the weakest link. If it's all about how many times I crawl over to visit God, then then we're going to have issues. Because you know what? I'm going to have good weeks and bad weeks, and good days and bad days, and good seasons in my life and bad seasons in my life. 
So this intimacy has to be more than me checking in with God to get whatever strength I need to get back to doing the things that I need to do in the world. And if I'm honest, that is how my Christian walk works. Busy, 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 overwhelmed. Oh, God. Or busy, 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 busy crisis. Oh, God. I'm going to need some strength to get through the crisis. Thank you, God. I got it from here. I'll check back at the next crisis or the next time I feel overwhelmed or the next time I feel sad. Amen? Amen. If that's the model, we're all in trouble. I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you as orphans. I will instead give you a comforter, a paraclete. I see three things that come out of this story that I think matter to you, and I think they matter to me. The first thing is this. We are invited into this inner circle. I don't know how often you sit in this space and just close your eyes and just think about this. I don't have to go visit God. He is with me. Don't you love it when you were little and your faith was simple? Wouldn't you like to go back? No? Okay. Well, whatever. I would like to go back. I grew up, I grew up in that old-fashioned church, you know. Uh, I grew up in that church that we still had that big sign on the wall that said, Attendance last Sunday. Attendance this Sunday. Hymns that we sing today. Did anybody else grow up in that church? Sunday night attendance. No? Very old-fashioned. And at the front of our church, we had a picture and a little light that shined on it. You know, very sophisticated. No screens, just a picture. And that was a picture from Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will open the door, I will come in and dine with them. It's just a, just a kind of a, you know, a stone cottage with a, a little door, and Jesus standing at the door knocking. And as a little kid, I'm like, I'm opening the door. I, I want Jesus in here. I'm opening the door. It was a simple image. I could get it. I didn't have to be very old to go, well, Jesus, come on in. (laughs) No reason for you to be outside. Come in. Jesus is saying, listen, once you've opened the door, I just come in and dwell with you. I just come in and dwell with you. I make myself at home. We'll, We'll dine together. You don't have to consciously always be talking to me or coming to me because I'm coming to you. I act in your life. As the comforter, as the father, I won't leave you as an orphan. I won't leave you on your own. You may think you're on your own, but you're not. Because I am with you, I am in you, and you are in me, and I'm in my father, and he's in you. And by the way, that's what empowers the possibility that we can set aside our own issues, ideas, thoughts, and opinions, and love each other first. That's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. I've said it over and over. If I was Jesus, I would have pinched their toes. I, I mean, not all of them, but some of them. Wouldn't you? You got to Peter, Peter acting all big and mighty and arrogant. I would have just twisted that toe till he screamed. Oh, sorry, man. Because <laughs> we do. Oh, yeah, I'm going to wash people's feet, but I'm going to twist their toes while I'm washing their feet. 
because I'm the greatest in the kingdom and this person's trying to usurp my place. They don't think like I think. They don't act like I act. They don't look like I look. They're different than me. And they deserve a little bit of a paddling. They just need a paddling is what they need. Amen? Plato said, how do you get close to people? How do you have unity? Everybody wants to be close. Everybody wants to be close in relationship. How do we do it? And he said, I envision that relationships are like a triangle. And the people are on the sides of the triangle. And as they move up the triangle, there is less room for what separates them. And ultimately, they could come together and actually be unified. So Plato said the issue is not, do people want to be close? The issue is, what are they pursuing together that causes them to become close? That's a fair question, isn't it? Wouldn't it be crazy for this thousands of year old institution of the Judeo-Christian tradition thought somehow the plan of God was going to be subverted by the politics of the 21st century. This church that has endured the great divisions of Christianity, the great fall of kingdoms, the Black Plague, world wars and civil wars and and yet we do don't we i'm taking this position and i'm hardening my heart towards others who do not share my position instead of no i love you and my position will soften because i love you and i'll make room in my heart because i love you because I have been empowered by God and His grace to wash the feet of folks who might betray or desert or deny. And the disciples struggle. You've heard it said, love those who love you. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love those who are mean to you and persecute you and despitefully use you. <laughs> love those people. Because you know what? Most folks, faith or no faith, love the people that love them. But loving people who are mean are different, and maybe they're even wrong. I mean, look what happened to these disciples. Crazy. They became the next wave of God's redemptive work in the world. Could you even recognize Peter? A month later, five weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, could you recognize that Peter coming out of the upper room empowered by the Holy Spirit compared to the one that was in the upper room that night? No! You can't recognize any of them because the power of the Holy Spirit has begun to weave something into them and the redemptive love of Jesus Christ has changed them, which is the great hope, isn't it? We're invited to be a part of this inner circle. Paul says this inner circle is so powerful, Romans 8, that he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's a mouthful. That's Paul saying, you know, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the peak of his maturity, 
his Summa Theologica, the Romans letter. <laughs> Here's everything I have learned about the power of God. I don't even know how to pray. Wow, thanks for that. I don't even know. I don't even know how to pray. But listen to this. The Spirit helps me. He intercedes for me. He comes into my weakness and he goes to the Father and he utters to the Father what I really need with growth. How much initiative am I taking in this moment to explain to God what I need? Paul is saying, I don't even know if I'm honest. I don't even know. But God's not over there somewhere. He's in here. I'm in him and he's in me. Because why? Because I open the door and I let him in. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I will come in and I'll dine with you. I'll do life with you. I'll hang with you. I'll be there when you're praying and I'll be there when you're breathing and I'll be there when you're sleeping. And I'll be there and I'll be there and I'll be there and I'll be there when it makes sense to you. And I'll be there when it doesn't make sense to you. Because you are invited to the inner circle not a spectator, a participant. Number two, we're invited to life with an advocate. I won't lead you to the orphan. I'll send you a paraclete. The word in Greek is very powerful. Paraclete traditionally in classic Greek meant an attorney who came and pled your case before the judge. Now, I know we think that God is the judge, and there is a context for that understanding. That's why this is so astonishing. You understand in the, in the whole process of Scripture and Revelation, we get a lot about God and judgment and law and lawbreakers and scapegoats and sacrificial lambs, and we get a lot of that. And then in Christ, we have the full revelation of God who now says, listen, this is how I love you. You're going to be in me and I in you and we're going to be one in the Father. And I'm going to send a paraclete, an advocate, who will plead your case. What case do you need pleaded today? I, there's some cases that need to be pleaded. Some of them are between people. And that's what we're doing. We're out there pleading our cases. That's why we're angry. That's why we're upset. That's why we're stressing. But what if I said, you know what? I'm invited into this inner circle, and I have an advocate. An advocate who can do things that I cannot do. And my prejudice, my token, my, my, my focus is love. I've got to love people like Jesus loved people. I got to be, it's got to be distinct. It's got to be like salt and light. I mean, people got to taste it and go, man, this is so good. It's so much better. Is it? Is our attitude, those who follow Jesus, who have accepted, uh, is it better? Do people come away going, man, I'm going to need a little bit more of that. That was good. That was good. In the South, we, we believe in multiple syllables of good. Some can be good. But on rare occasions, it can be good. That was good. Is that what people experience with us? An advocate. Another literal translation is the one who comes beside us to hold us up when we cannot stand on our own. Oh, I got a lot of that. Yeah. Amen? And yet, when I have those days, what is the image in my heart and the image in my mind? Because some days, I don't know about you, 
but how it feels to me is if I could just make my way to God, he would help me. But I don't think I can. Reuben Welch used to tell this story. I always imagined that the love of God was like a big hot air balloon floating over. And I was down, stuck in the mud and stuck in life and stuck in junk. And there was a rope dangling from that hot air balloon. And it's, it's coming right for me. And all I have to do is get a hold of that rope. And that rope will pull me out of all the stuff that's happening. And he said, my whole life, I had that image and that dream. And all the time, the rope's slipping out of my hands because I am not strong enough to hold on. And he said, somewhere, I got another image. That that was not exactly how the love of God works. That instead, the love of God was like this hot air balloon that could lift me out of whatever I was in. And as it approached me, it just collapses and settles over me. And I don't need to hang on because I'm covered and I'm covered and I'm covered and I'm covered and I'm covered. Because when I most need the love of God and when my strength is its weakness, it is then that I am made strong. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. We have an advocate. If, if we did nothing this week but just say, I'm in the inner circle, I'm in the inner circle. Here's my breath prayer. I'm in the inner circle. Thank you for letting me be in the inner circle. I and you, and you and the Father, and me unified with those who share in this faith. I have an advocate. I have an advocate. I have an advocate. I am not alone. I have an advocate. The advocate is interceding for me to the Father. The advocate is going before me into situations that need healing. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. It's not all up to me. I don't have to figure it out. I'm free to love. If I let the stresses of this world distract me from my primary purpose, which is to love other people, then I have betrayed something precious. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. It's not about that. It's about this. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other. It's rare. It's incredibly rare. Three. And the last. We're invited to a life of wisdom. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said. You know, as a person who stands up in front of people... And teaches, I hope. It was presumptuous, wasn't it? You know, I mean, it's harder in the mask era. But generally, I can feel who's with me. You understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes, you know, you scan the crowd, and then you know somebody's like... I call them Teflon people. I mean, there's nothing I'm saying that's sticking. It's all sliding right by. And I recognize this. I mean, I've had seasons in the life of the church where, you know, I'd be preaching a sermon and I'd say something about a scripture and I'd have people looking it up going. That's distracting, by the way, so. If you're tempted, don't do that. I see you. I mean, I know you feel invisible, but. I always thought it'd be fun to put a camera up here and just let you see what goes on on any given Sunday. <laughs> They'd be like, uh, how do you keep preaching when that's happening? Well, you don't look over there anymore. You just kind of keep your eyes up, you know. 
Because this is a truth. He promises to lead us into wisdom. But learning takes humility. It takes humility. It means I, I, need, I am so far from where I need to be. I'm so far from what I need to understand about the world, about politics. I mean, if you, if you, if you ask me to give you everything I know, it will take almost no time. I mean, you take any, any political hot-button item in the world and ask me to talk about it, I'm talking out of my hat. I'm talking about an article I read, and if I'm honest, I didn't even read the whole article. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I saw a headline. I'm like, yep, that's what I think too. I don't even need to read that. They agree with me. Oh, it ain't just me. And your social media knows. And they go, oh, you, 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 you tarried on that little headline for 0.4 seconds. I'm giving you 28 more, just like it. And it will not challenge your thinking. It will not grow you in depth. It will confirm everything you already think. I will send you nothing that challenges you because I am in the business of engagement, not information. I make money because you're open on this web page. Yeah. And so somehow in there, there's humility that says, you know, I'm going to confess to you how little I know. I believe some things, but I don't know much. And because I believe some things and don't know much, I can listen to you. And I can listen to others. And I can listen to others' perspectives. And I can respect people that I may not ever agree with. But I love them anyway. I love them anyway. And shouldn't that be? Listen, we need a revival in the church of Jesus Christ in which we are bathed again in the power of the Holy Spirit and in love for one another and in love and compassion for the people of this world. Amen? Listen, we got to quit hating on people. In the name of Jesus, we got to quit hating on people. Because people are broken and imperfect, and Jesus was not at all surprised by that. In fact, here's what's surprising. So are we. We're broken and imperfect, too. And how are we ever going to win them? How are we ever going to win them if not with the good news of a loving God? We're invited into this place of love, and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit because we're invited into the inner circle, because we are given the advocate, because he invites us into all wisdom. That's what love is about. My prayer as we close this service in a moment, is if God's speaking to you, if you've never just simply said, you know, God, I'm going to open this door. I'm going to open the door. And I'm just going to say to you, you know what? I've messed up a bunch of stuff and I've sinned and I'm sorry. And I confess my sins to you. And I want you in here. I don't want to be outside looking in. I am inviting you into the depth of my being. I want to be in the inner circle. And my prayer for you is you pray that. I, I know that it is not fashionable in our culture to be people of faith. I want to tell you this as straight up as I can tell you. It may not be fashionable, but it is vital. You cannot be a healthy, fully integrated human being if you deny the spiritual part of your life. It is a terribly destructive way to live. It's destructive to your mental health, to your relational health, to your emotional health, most of all. You are blocking out the one thing in life that empowers you to live free. 
And then I'm just going to add, as the band's coming back, I'm just going to add this. If you pray that prayer, or you do serious work in these moments, stick around. Find a pastor. We want to know. We want to pray with you. We don't want you to leave. We want to know the story. We want to walk with you in the journey. We want to disciple you in the process. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close. God, we are thankful that you have predicated this whole process on love. I'm thinking that if I were all-powerful and all-knowing, I might not respond to people in love. I, I might respond with a whole lot of heavy-handed, overwhelming frustration. And yet you, in your perfection, deemed it necessary to reach out to me in love. To search for me and call to me and invite me to love me and forgive me to pick me up when I have fallen and then you invited me to treat other people the same way and I'm asking Lord that you forgive us as a, as a church not just a local church but the church of Jesus Christ we confess to you how we've allowed the things, the current events to divide us and create animosity and division. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. We know there are things that we must stand for and that we must pursue. But you're calling us to do that together. To grow towards you and towards each other. And so my prayer as we close and as we respond to your word is that you would do the work in each individual represented here, those represented online, those that will watch later in the week. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. I need you. I need you. Would you help us as individuals and as a congregation to unblock the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit so that we may fully love you and love each other. May it be so. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.